Welcome to Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. I'm too busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time for that. Do you ever catch yourself saying anything like that? Hey, listen, me too. I'm so busy. I'm not saying that because it's true. I'm saying it because I say it all the time. Here's an impression of me. What are you doing this weekend, Dave? I'm so busy. I got stuff going on. What are you doing after work? Oh, I got so many things I got to do. Do you do the same thing? Do you talk about how busy you are all the time? You're supposed to stop it. Don't talk about how busy you are. We're going to talk about that on the podcast today. Uh, Also going to talk about why in the world lift tickets are so expensive because it's a fascinating story. We'll spend just a couple of minutes on that. So if you don't ski, you won't get bored with that one. Um, We're going to talk about why you should never loan your nephew money. And I've got a perfect excuse, a valid reason why you should never loan your nephew or your niece or your cousin any money. We're going to talk a little bit about the book and also talk about how we will all be forgotten one day unless you do this. All right, let's get started. Okay. We're all so busy. I get it. Everybody's so busy. But I read an article and I posted it on the Facebook page on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time and Don't Steal Anything. I really think you should read it. It's short and it says basically, don't tell people you're busy because there are consequences to that. One of them is they're going to think you're disorganized. They're going to think that you don't spend your time right. We all get the same 24 hours in a day, but if you're so busy that you can't get your life under control, people are going to say, they're not going to admire you. They're not going to say, oh my gosh, Karen's so busy. That's great. Alyssa's so busy. That's great. They're going to say, Alyssa needs to get her shit together and figure things out. I ran across that several times in my life where people are like, you need to get your shit together because if you're so busy. And I was always like, well, I can't say no to Carson's band concert. I can't say no to a doctor's appointment. I can't say no to band practice. I can't say no to work. Try saying no to work and see how your boss likes that when you tell her, hey, guess what? Yeah, that uh, report that you wanted, I'm not going to be able to do that because I'm so busy. See how that works out for you. Um, So anyway, I think the key is Go ahead and be busy, but don't tell people you're busy because it has its consequences. So I thought that was really interesting. Again, that article is on my blog or is on the uh, Facebook page. uh, Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything, which is why we are here because of the book. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Uh, Make sure you tell your friends about the podcast. If you're a first-time listener, uh, basically we spend a half an hour, maybe 20 minutes or so, um, just talking about some ideas from the book, things in general, life in general. It's mostly all me. Uh, Once in a while, I'll have a guest on the podcast, and that's a lot of fun. I've had a couple of people on the podcast before, Um, but today I think it's going to just be me, although I did call somebody a little while ago and said, hey, call me if you got time. You can be on the podcast with me, and we'll talk about Ready Player One, which I saw a week or so ago, and I liked it wasn't crazy about it because I read the book first. If you read the book first, you'll like it. But if you didn't read the book, you'll probably really like it. Uh, also, A Quiet Place, Fallon and I both saw that one. She loved it. I liked it. I think that's a great thing about movies is, hey, you know what? We don't always have to agree on whether it's a great movie or not. Let's talk about some other things here. I wanted to talk really quickly 
without boring you about why lift tickets are so expensive. And give me a minute on this. If you don't ski, you don't care. And you can actually push the 15-minute fast-forward button on your podcast app and get past, a 15-second, that is, and get past this. Uh, lift tickets in Breckenridge, I was there over Thanksgiving in Colorado, were about $175 a piece. $175 a piece. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous! And if you go to places like, I'm going to guess probably Afton or somewhere like that, they're still very expensive for a walk-up one-day pass. This is what I realize the ski areas want you to do. They don't want you to walk up. I mean, if you want to walk up and spend $200, that's fine. What they want you to do is be loyal and buy a, a season pass like six months before ski season starts. So they'll ask you to commit to, uh, like there's a group, there's bunches of different groups where it's Breckenridge, Keystone, Afton Alps, Vale, that type of thing. And they'll ask you to commit, hey, spend $700 on a season pass. Go 10 times and you're paying $70 a piece. That's a bargain. So you and I will say, yeah, let's do that. I'm going to go, I'm going to commit to skiing 10 times this year at Breckenridge and Afton and Vale and whatever, but you only usually go about four times. So you still get a better deal, but you're not getting as big of a deal as you thought you would get. I just thought it was really fascinating how they're turning their back on walk-up ticket buyers, but they're really catering to and making a ton of money on people who buy season tickets because we all think the same thing. It's the gym membership principle. When you join a gym, you tell yourself, I'm going to go three times a week. And then maybe for the first week, you go twice a week. And then after that, it's once a week. And then maybe it's once a month. And then you never go again. Not everybody's like that, but it's the same kind of principle. I thought it was really fascinating how they've picked up on this at ski areas. So if you walk up at uh, Highland, it's 30 bucks or more for like a half day. And it's crazy, but they want to get you with season tickets. So the point is, buy season tickets or don't. If you buy season tickets, you got to use them or it's going to be a waste. So there really is no middle ground. So the ski areas have really got you over a barrel. Okay, there's one other thing. Ski areas versus ski resorts. There's a big difference. If you go somewhere like, oh, Highland, that's a ski area. A ski resort is more like Lutzen or Keystone. All right, enough about skiing. Let's move on to something else here. Um, the book is called Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. So we always cover a chapter from the book, and and I always love to hear what you think of the book. And if you like the book or like a chapter or don't like it or you think one chapter is really stupid, send me an email to DaveRyan at KDWB.com. This week's chapter is chapter 31, for guys only, you're probably about average in bed. Okay, let's read. Most guys are not that great in bed, but every man thinks he's an amazing lover. Why? I think I know the answer. Women are not honest about their experience. They will even fake an orgasm just to get their partner to stop. It's like, oh my God, he's going to be keeping just pounding and slamming all night until I fake an orgasm and make him think that I'm done and wow, he's done a great job. Okay. Now, I'm not here to attempt to give you any advice on how to improve your sex life. That's what online porn is for. I'm only doing my best to bring you back down to earth when it comes to your sexual prowess. Guys, she had better. 
But don't worry about it. She's probably also had worse. Turning the page. Oh, that's it. Um, so I, I bring that up because years ago I worked with a guy, and he was a really good-looking guy. He's older now, but he was a really good-looking guy, younger than 27 years old. And he's like, I'm really good in bed. And I'm like, how do you know this? He's like, because women tell me. Why do they tell you? Well, because I asked them. And I'm like, you're gross. So you're asking women, am I the best you've ever had? Well, of course they're going to say yes. They're not going to say, eh, well, you know, I've slept with 10 guys. You're about number six. No, they're not going to say that. So, hey, you know what? It's just a fun chapter. It's not meant to be super serious. You know, I don't know anything more about it than that. I just think that it's kind of a fun chapter. We all like to think we're great in bed. I wonder if women think they're great in bed. I wonder if women are the opposite. I wonder if women think, God, I'm not so good in bed. I don't know unless you know you're great in bed. I don't know. Don't send me an email about that. I don't want to read about that. All right, moving on. Um, I'm going to tell you the story, and it's not a cheery story, but I want to tell you the story about my wife and um, her cancer scare. And I tell you this not to generate sympathy, not to be morose or depressing, because it's you know got a moderately happy ending. We're not out of the woods yet, but I'll kind of back up and tell you, because there's some things in here that we can really learn from, and that's really what this whole podcast is about, is learning from each other. You send me feedback. I tell you what I've learned in my life. Chances are I'm a little older than you. And that's one of the th great things about experience is you learn things that become almost absolutes in life. Like don't loan money to your nephew, which we'll cover in a few minutes. But uh, so there's some things I've learned through this journey with Susan. I'll back up and I'll give you some background really quickly here. Three or so weeks ago, she had bad stomach pains. She thought it was gas. The gas bubble would not go away. And then she went to the doctor that night. They said, oh, it's gallbladder. She was in agony, laying on the floor, trying to get comfortable. She could not get comfortable. Goes to the, um, the ER. They say it's gallbladder. They say, okay, we'll get you surgery the next day. So they do surgery the next day. And... Uh, I come home to take a nap while she's in surgery. I come home for an hour to take a nap, and, and I get a phone call from the doctor. The doctor says, well, you know, the procedure went fine, and, uh, you know, she's, you know, fine, no problems with the surgery. Okay, good, as I'm laying there on the couch. And the doctor says, but there was something unexpected. And I was like, uh-oh. And she said, we found a mass. And I remember my breathing kind of got different, and I got, like, hot, and... Uh, she went on to say, and I, it, it's down in her pelvic area, which I thought on her pelvis, no, like pelvic area, um, like uterus, fallopian tubes, that type of thing. And I kind of sat up and I'm like, well, a dumb question. Are you saying she has cancer? And the doctor said, I don't know. Um, but we want to find out. We want to check it out. So they, whatever. So my God, you talk about going from having a peaceful nap to being so freaked out within about two minutes. I didn't know what to do. I called a friend of mine. She didn't answer. I called Brentley. He didn't answer. I had to talk to somebody. And I went down to the hospital, and she was just waking up by the time I got there, and she wondered why I was there. Then the doctor came in and told her that they found this mass. Okay, well, I've told this story a couple of times I called my friend Brentley, finally got a hold of him, and I was telling him, I said, Brentley, it's so sad. She looked up at me when we were alone in the hospital room, and she had tears in her eyes, and she said, I don't want to die. 
And I said, Brentley was the saddest thing I've ever seen. And Brentley, this is what friends are for, Brentley knows that Susan sometimes has a, a lazy eye that looks the other way when she's looking at me. And so Brentley, in a very sympathetic voice, said, how could you tell she was looking at you? And I said, shut the fuck up. It was a good laugh. I needed a laugh. It was inappropriate. It was, you know, that's what friends are for, right? So um, we, over the next couple of days, we talked to, you know, a... Um, a gynecologist who said, yeah, it looks like it could be cancer. Now, if you've ever been through anything like that, they usually tell you it's probably not cancer, but we're going to test it anyway. Then you get the results back and it's not cancer most of the time. That's been my result. Susan had a lump in her breast and Allison's had a lump in her breast before. And uh, they always say it's probably nothing, but we're going to check. And then they check and it's nothing. So that's what we were expecting. This time they said it's probably something. So for a week, we sat around. I'll be honest with you. We were terrified and so scared and sad of losing Susan. And, and, and she was worried that she would not be around for Allison's wedding and grandchildren and to see Carson graduate from high school. And, you know, you just don't know. And your mind goes everywhere. And your mind does go there. And people would say, keep your hopes up. Keep your hopes up. Of course, you try to. But it's really hard. So for a week... And I remember doing a show from the fucking auto show. No offense against the auto show. But the last place I wanted to be at the was at the auto show doing a live broadcast, being all cheery. Um, it, was, it was the first day back at work after that, and it was miserable. Um, so anyway, continuing, not to get to, to drag this story down, we found out later that week that it probably was not cancer. We talked to a, a gynecologist-oncologist who said it's probably not cancer. I think I know what it is. It's probably not cancer. So... They schedule the surgery, they have the surgery, and basically the oncologist um, comes in and uh, after the surgery, and she says, it's probably not, it's, it doesn't look like it's, it's not cancer. That's what she said. It's not cancer, but there's some other complications of things that can spread that are not malignant. So I, this is the funny part. I, um, I said, well, what should I do now? I'm here in the waiting room. What should I do now? She said, well, she won't wake up for a couple of hours. So go have lunch or go for a drive or go get a coffee. I'm like, I'm going to go have lunch. So I drove a mile away. I'm at Brugger's having a little bagel. The phone rings and a voice on the phone says, is this Dave? Yeah. Are you still here at the hospital? No. Well, can you come back right away, please? Holy shit. Does that put a scare into you? Did she have a heart attack? Did she die? Did they drop her off the table? What happened? Uh, did she never wake up? So I said, is she okay? And the voice on the phone says, I don't know. They didn't say. They didn't tell me. And I thought, fuck, is that what they tell people on the phone when they don't want you to panic is, I don't know, they didn't tell me. Is that their protocol? Instead of saying, yeah, she had a heart attack and died, do they say, I don't know, they didn't tell me. So I drive the mile back, and I'm hitting every stoplight, and I'm not running, but I'm walking pretty damn fast to the waiting room where this woman told me to meet her. I met her, and I said, I'm Dave. I'm here for Susan. Okay, I'll walk you back. I walk back, and I notice they're not walking me back to the morgue. They're not walking me back to an office to talk to somebody. They walk me back to the recovery room. I walk in, and there's Susan waking up, groggy as hell, and I'm like, is she okay? Yeah, she's doing fine. She's waking up. I said, because I just got a phone call that said, you need to come back to the hospital right away. What had happened was my wife woke up. They said, do you want to see your husband? Yeah, okay, I'll call the waiting room for him. They called the waiting room, 
and the girl in the waiting room uh, said, he's not here. I'll call him. So she called me with what turned into an urgent message to get back to the hospital. Um, okay, so she stayed in the hospital a couple of more days and had bad pain. She is now at home. Why did I tell you all of this? Because of a couple of things. Number one, I sat in a room called, called the consult room. And that's where they take you after the waiting room when the, you wait for the doctor to come by and tell you how the surgery went. It's a little room. It's about the size of a small bedroom with you know six or seven chairs and some ugly artwork on the wall. And, and you sit there and you wait. I waited probably 20 minutes for the doctor to come in, and that is a long wait. She came in, and I could tell by the look on her face that everything was mostly okay. Like I said, there's been some complications, and we're not out of the woods yet, but it's not cancer. So, and I was relieved. But I thought to myself, I wonder how many people, now that's not what I wondered. I thought of all the people that have sat here that did not get good news, that found out that their mom has brain cancer and only has a few months to live. Because I knew in that room I was getting good news, but I thought my thoughts went to all the people who have sat in that room and did not get good news about their child or about their wife or their mom or their sister, their partner. And I was really sad about that. And Susan came home the other day and she's doing fine and she's downstairs right now and I'm upstairs in the ironing board studios called that because I do the show from an ironing board up here, uh, which is kind of funny. Here's the other thing I thought of. You know, Susan, you don't know her well. I talk about her on the radio, but she is a wonderful, warm, kind, selfless person. And I told her over and over, I said, you know what? You have the biggest blessing that anybody could ask for. What is the biggest blessing anybody could ask for? That is to be loved and liked sincerely. We all are loved by the people who have to love us. Our family loves us. Even if our sister hates us, they'll say, you know what? I can't stand David, but I still love him. Or Vivian drives me crazy, but I still love her. Actually, that's Vivian's my sister. She doesn't drive me crazy at all. So if you're listening, Vivian, you don't drive me crazy. But to be liked and loved by people that don't have to like and love us, that is a blessing. And I've told her that over and over. I said, people love you. Your friends came out of the woodwork. And while she might not have 75 friends, she's got 10 friends who really love her and wanted to help her and wanted to check in on her and got on a group text and posted things about her, and, and I said, you're really blessed. So I want you to think about that, because here's the thing. Not everybody will be remembered as the greatest, I don't know, architect. Not everybody will be remembered as the greatest skier or hairstylist or teacher. Not everybody will remember be remembered a really long time, but if we can have our friends and our loved ones and the people that are around us care about us, that is the biggest success in life. Because you know what? If you are the greatest teacher or race car driver, yeah, okay, that's cool. But if people don't like you, then who cares? 
if people really like you, that it just has occurred to me because Susan will never be famous for being the world's greatest marketing person for a healthcare company. It's just her job and she's really good at it, but nobody remembers that, but they will remember and, and, and we're all forgotten after a while. I don't care if you're, you know, I don't care if you're, but if you can be Taylor Swift, you're all forgotten after a while, but while we are alive, if the people that we are, that are around us, remember us and love us. That's really important. Okay. Got a little too syrupy sentimental there. So we're going to try to pull it back out. Let me talk about why you should never loan your nephew money. Okay. Now I don't, I use nephew as kind of a catch all for anybody that you shouldn't loan money to. And this is a big theme in my book is about money and being responsible because I've made all the mistakes with money. When I was um, in sixth grade, the end of sixth grade, Jeff Butler, you son of a bitch, you borrowed money from me because you could not get your report card until you paid your overdue library fines. He's like, Dave, Dave, I need a dollar seventy-three or I can't get my report card. And I'm like, I don't want to loan you a dollar seventy-three, Jeff. I don't even know you that well. You're not even that nice of a kid. But I loaned it to him because I felt bad and he got his report card. The next year, now we're in seventh grade, I see this kid in the lunch line, and you know everybody's holding when they're in the lunch line. You know he's got money because he's in the lunch line. I'm like, Jeff, hey, let me get back my $1.73 that I loaned you last year. Fuck you, Kibbler. I'm not going to give it to you. That's my real last name, by the way. Uh, he didn't say fuck you, but he might as well have. Um, I, think he I think I remember him saying something like, you shouldn't have loaned it to me in the first place. That taught me right there, don't loan people money because when they really need it, they're so nice and they promise they're going to give it back and they're so sincere and they get those puppy dog eyes and they just really want you to believe they're going to give you the money and they appreciate it so much. You give them that money and it's like, kiss my ass. And remember, if they didn't have the abundance of money to begin with, they're not likely to have an abundance of money to give it back to you. Here's the other thing. When your nephew or your cousin or your coworker comes to you to borrow money, you can honestly live by this philosophy. I didn't teach you about money. I have no responsibility for your lack of money management. I have no responsibility for the fact that you didn't save enough money to get your car fixed. I have no responsibility for the fact that you need a new air conditioner and you didn't have enough money saved, but you did go to Hawaii last year. I didn't teach you how to handle your money. I'm not your mama. I'm not your daddy. I am not responsible for the fact that you didn't learn how to have enough money. Now, if you decide to go ahead and lend them money, that's fine, but you've got a definite legitimate excuse to not loan somebody money. Did you raise your nephew? Probably not. You tell him, you go to your mom, you go to your dad, and you ask them for money because they're the ones that taught you how to, how to handle money. So if they didn't teach you how to handle money, I'm certainly not going to loan it to you. So just a little something to keep in your back pocket. Next time somebody asks you for money, I'll give you one more tip about money. You come into money, don't tell people. If you get an inheritance or you win $10,000 on a scratch ticket, yeah, don't tell people. Tell your rich friends. Don't tell your needy broke friends because they're going to be like, oh, Cheryl's got some money. Hey, Cheryl, can I have some money? No. 
All right, we're about to wrap things up on the podcast. I appreciate you listening. Thanks for sticking with me. Um, uh, and if you have any ideas for a podcast, any thoughts on this week's podcast, send me an email to Ryan Show. Or no, don't send it to that one. Send it to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Um, I'm going to, I think next week, I'm probably going to do the podcast that somebody suggested 10 things you don't know about the Dave Ryan in the morning show because somebody sent me an email and I think they live in California, if I remember right, got them, got it a month or two ago. And they said, it occurs to me that the show that you do doesn't just happen spontaneously, that you actually have to plan it. And it's, yeah, it's true. We think about what we're going to talk about and sometimes we shoot down ideas and sometimes we're like, well, this is kind of a funny call. We should put this woman on. No, it's not that funny. So uh, next week, I think we're going to do the top 10 things you don't know about the Dave Ryan show. Thank you for listening. Check out Facebook. Um, show, uh, Take a shower. Show up on time and don't steal anything. Buy the book on uh, barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com. Your local bookstore can order it. But, I mean, I hope you shop local once in a while. But isn't it easiest just to go on Amazon? Uh, or you can get it probably a little bit cheaper at itascabooks.com. If you want me to sign it, hey, I would love to sign it for you. Bring it down to the radio station sometime. I'm serious. If I'm not there, leave it for me and I'll sign it. You can come back by and pick it up or you can mail it to me and I'll sign it. You want to mail it to me, I'll give you the address right now. And then just tell me who you want me to sign it to and then I'll I'll, um, I'll sign it and then I'll mail it back to you. Uh, send it to Dave Ryan, KDWB, 1600 Utica Avenue South. This is where that 15-second rewind button on your podcast app comes in funny. Uh, comes in handy, not funny. Um, it's um, Minneapolis 55416. So Dave Ryan, KDWB, 1600 Utica Avenue South, Minneapolis 55416. And send me a return envelope with postage on it and your address, and I will be happy to sign it and mail it right back to you. So graduation season's coming up. you got somebody who's graduating that needs a little the easy read on some life tips. Uh, this could be a great, cheap personalized graduation present. I'll be happy to sign it for him. Okay, that is it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And remember, until next time, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. You knew this. Have a good week. Mm-hmm.